Today, it's a Thanksgiving message. I want to show you an image. This is just one of many pieces of artwork you might see if you look up history of Thanksgiving here or the pilgrims, and that's one of many images. I want to show you a, another one, and I want to give you, uh, there's a description up right beside it. A pilgrim, Edward Winslow, this is of him visiting the visit, visiting Massasoit, the Sakim or leader of Wapanoig Confederacy. All right, so let's go to this next slide, and I'll read it to you. Our harvest being, this is from, by the way, uh, Edward Winslow, a letter from him. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that so we might, after a more special manner, rejoice together. There were many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the rest, their greatest king, Massasoit, with some 90 men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted. That's a little stressful if you're entertaining that many guests, but there's a bunch. And this part of history is getting relegated outside of history lessons more and more as time goes on. And I'd like to talk about that. I know our normal thing is just to walk through the Bible and we, we peel back scripture and we just journey through it. We're going to have a hodgepodge of scripture to read together this morning. But I want to talk about something that happened it was in Springdale, Arkansas in 1992. You'll see a slide come up behind me. It was a high school Sunday school class that I was teaching. Young and naive and new and full-time Christian pastoral ministry. I was shocked at what I was being told. You see, we were approaching Thanksgiving. And... As we were approaching Thanksgiving, I began to talk about some things for which we could be thankful, including our history. And I began to talk about some of those historical facts in our history. When I mentioned Columbus, there was a visibly uncomfortable spirit in the room, as there would be in most high school, Sunday school classrooms today if I were to mention Columbus, and maybe even in many of our churches. And what they began to tell me was that, don't you know, Columbus, he cut off the hands and the, the only reason why he came to America was to cut off the hands and the feet of the Native Americans and sell them as souvenirs back in Europe. And I said, oh, I hadn't been told that was his only motivation. I didn't know that. And I asked them where they got their information, and they told me that their history teachers were teaching them this kind of stuff. So I want to give you, if you don't know, I want to go ahead and tell you. This is where information like that is coming from. It's from a book that was written, uh, I think it was in 1980, uh, A People's History of the United States by Howard uh, Zinn. Have you heard of this book? This is arguably one of the most popular books cited in our public schools and universities today in the United States of America. There were more than two million copies sold in the French edition. The French gave it an award. They loved it so much. Of course, they were very much our allies early on in the incipient stages of American history, and they still are. But for whatever reason, they delighted in this book that took a different approach to American history. 
The writer of this, he's a World War II veteran. He's passed away, but he was a World War II veteran. But he called himself an anarchist, a socialist. And when he wrote this book, he wanted to have a revolution. He himself said he wanted to have a quiet revolution. Those are his terms. And he, he didn't want it to be a big one where people were out protesting, which he was a part of. And by the way, he also referred to himself as a communist. But he wanted to do a quiet and subtle revolution where kids would begin to reject the history that their parents had been taught. So he introduced this book and it became very highly controversial, but very popular. And if you wonder why many of our youth today, um, when they speak of, of America, they almost do it with hatred. This is a part of that reason. Here's another book I would recommend to you, because I wouldn't recommend that one. Debunking Howard Zinn. It's a very insightful book. It's an easy read. It's a short read, and it's under 20 bucks with shipping if you have to pay shipping most venues that are out there. Debunking Howard Zinn. I intended to bring it with me. I set it aside so I'd remember it. And it's one of those things where you put something aside so you don't forget. Well, I went off and forgot it. I do have a copy. If you don't want to purchase the book and like to borrow it, I'll get it back here in a couple of weeks for you. But I wanted to bring to your attention, there is a reason why there is so much confusion about the history of America. I want to show you some things that were shocking to me because after I learned all this about how there's actually people out there that want us to hate our history and want us to believe some fake history. Here's, here's what I was surprised. I went to the Dominican Republic. You'll see an image come up behind me. In 2015, I was very much grateful that this opportunity came to me. Oh, there you go. That's... Uh, We've got some, some buttons are up in the sound booth. Somebody pushed them ahead of JC and of me, and so and it wasn't Jim. But there's buttons that are pushed up in there, so we don't have sound. That, that was supposed to be a loud, shocking thing to make you jump, but that's okay. So the next one. Oh, there you go. That's it. Thanks, JC. He figured out what button that was. Um, this is an image from 2015 when I was a little bit younger and in a little bit better shape. But this is from a very cool place. This, uh, I'm going to have to look at what I wrote because I never can say it without looking at it. It's, and I've been there multiple times now to, on the same trips multiple times. So it's called Ingenio Boca de Nigua. It's the name of this place. This was built early in the 16th century. So the early 1500s. This is in part... Well, actually, it's, the reason this is built is because of what Christopher Columbus had opened up. He had discovered uh, Hispaniola, Hispani I can't remember the name of it, where Dominican and Cuba are, Hispaniola, I think. Um, so Dominican is on the top of the island, Cuba's at the bottom of the island, not Cuba, um, Haiti is at the bottom of the island. I've been to Dominican uh, three times now, once with Stephanie, and two of those times were missionary trips. This is my first one. And as I visited there, it was shocking to me that this historical monument, this is a pretty big place, this is a sugar mill, where they would uh, mostly make rum here. 
And when I walk there, each time you'll see like donkeys and goats and cows just walking through there. It's not really protected, this great historical thing. It's been rebuilt a little bit so that you could see what it did once look like. But what you see behind me there, those are original walls, not the brick thing you see there, but the further behind me. It goes underground. There's some pretty cool towers. But I wanted you to see this because on the island itself, people still honor Christopher Columbus. So I want to show you another image that'll come up. This is David Klein. He's a missionary there. And that's me. And behind me is one of many Christopher Columbus statues that has not been torn down. This is in 2019 uh, when I was on another visit there. I'll show you another image. This one, I didn't take this picture. I took many and I just didn't wasn't unable to sort through my pictures, but this is the palace of Christopher Columbus that is still a touristy thing people go to. There's cannons all over the other side. It faces the water. It's a pretty, pretty impressive palace. It's the only other living quarters known to exist today from Christopher Columbus's life. His, the other one is from his childhood. Just wanted you to see that not every country agrees that Christopher Columbus was a horrible person and that America is a horrible place. I learned uh, in going all over the world that even though our, um, it seems like we have a lot of people that like to say a lot of bad things about our country, there are a lot of people in other countries that still want to come here and still admire our country. So I want to talk about some things for which we can be thankful, and I want to use scripture to guide us this morning. So here's some, starting in Nehemiah. If you've not studied through Nehemiah, I highly recommend a book by Chuck Swindoll. I don't have an image of it up here behind me. It's called uh, Hand Me Another Brick. If you want to journey through Nehemiah and walk away and feel like you just learned great things that God would have you learn about leadership, you will do that if you go through the book, Hand Me Another Brick by Charles Swindoll. Here's just a part of what we see in Nehemiah. Chapter 12, verses 46 and following. For long ago in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers. And they set apart that which was for the Levites. And the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. A celebration of thanksgiving. Moving along in Psalm 95, starting with verse 1. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is great. And a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are, are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. 
And what I'm doing right now is I'm giving you some ideas. If you don't have any already on your own, here's some that you could share with your families and individuals, friends, whoever, as we approach Thanksgiving and thereafter. Here's another one. Another chunk out of Psalm 95. We'll just follow the next few verses, starting with verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Now I want to move into the New Testament, because there's several, and there's plenty more in the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. And if I've spent any time with you, even simply in conversation, any of you in this room, I can guarantee you I have thanked God for you more than once. I've, and it's not because I'm special. It's because I try to embrace what is taught in Scripture. And, and the reality is, I'm legitimately thankful that I have gotten to have those conversations with, with you. And I'm thankful that you're in my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. If you haven't figured that out, God loves a thanksgiving spirit. So it brings glory to Him. 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward this, all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. 1 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 4, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. I'm going to give you a scripture out of the Old Testament, a couple more. First uh, Chronicles 16, 34, and I love this one. It's a little bit bigger on the screen behind me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. I don't know if you get excited when you watch sports, but, but when it's exciting is when there is tenacity. That's when it's exciting. When you see, the Seahawks aren't playing today, so I'm not talking about them. If it bothers you, you can join the bandwagon with Lila and support Green Bay. Amen. Just for one day. <laughs> but when you see... Somebody that just keeps pushing through and succeeding. It's tenacity, that steadfastness. And that's what God has when it comes to His love for us. He just keeps loving us, even when we do things that you might think might make us unlovable. God loves us 
with steadfastness, I would call tenacity. Back in the Psalms, in 100, Psalm 100, verse 4, and also verse 5, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Once again, his steadfast love. God does not give up on loving us. He continues, despite some of the things we do and don't do, he continues to love us with tenacity. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. This is absolutely worth highlighting. Did I skip one? Oh, we'll go back to Colossians, and then I'll get to the Thessalonians one. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If you need a verse to hang your hat on when it comes to just living your life in front of your family, in front of your neighbors, in front of your coworkers, in front of your classmates, and when no one else is around, do everything for the Lord to bring Him glory and honor. And you will have that peace that he's talking about. You were designed to have. And here we go, the one I said that is absolutely worth highlighting in your Bible, and maybe all of these are. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16-18. through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Three things... We're told here in this one passage, rejoice always. Rejoice simply means happy upon happy, be happy upon happy. Rejoicing, sometimes people think that having joy is simply about singing songs, and no, it's not. Probably the greatest expression of joy is laughter. And so if you think about happy upon happy being reflected in laughter or being um, demonstrated in laughter, that's a nice way to live, isn't it? Live, live through life laughing more than crying. Pray without ceasing. Some will say that John 11.35, which we've been through in our series, some will say, actually, no, we haven't been there yet. We're going to get there. I get it all jumbled because I'm studying ahead. When we get to John 11.35, I will remind you that is not the shortest verse in the Bible. It's the shortest verse in the English Bibles, where it says Jesus wept. We'll get there. The shortest verse in the Bible is actually right on the screen behind me. Pray without ceasing. That's actually the shortest verse. Because all it means is you just pray and keep on praying. It's just perpetual praying. This is what we're supposed to do. When you have those thoughts that enter your head, like I told you before, earlier in this message, that if I've had any time interacting with you, I thank God for you. More than once, I've done it with each of you that I've had a conversation with, and I know I I do this because I'm genuinely appreciative. 
And when I think of you, um, I typically do that. If, if I communicate with you in a text or on the phone or social media, or simply see your name or just your image comes up in my mind, I pray. I would encourage you to do that. And, and if you do that, I encourage you to thank God for those people you think about. And if you do that, I would encourage you to go let them know why you're thankful for them. It builds them up like we're supposed to be doing. But I do want to have a little caveat on this pray without ceasing part. Because if you do the same thing like me, where you think of somebody you, for a moment, you, you just pray. You think of them, so pray and thank God for them. If you're driving down the road, please do not close your eyes. It's not a good idea. That's what we teach little kids. Fold your hands so they don't mess with other people and close your eyes so you're not distracted. When you're driving down the road, don't close your eyes when you pray. You can pray with your eyes open. It's okay. And give thanks in all circumstances is the other directive that we're given there. And this, all three of these are God's will for you. I want to give you a quote from Edwin Percy Whipple. God is glorified not by our groans, but by our thanksgivings. I was told a story a long time ago before I visited the Precious Moments Chapel there in Carthage, Missouri. I don't know if you've heard of this place. It's, it's, it's a very, very special, large place that it can take a day to see it all. It's, a, it's quite vast. And see the the creator of all of the paintings and all the figurines. and um, He'd spent some time with his family in Joplin before his successful days. As an aspiring artist, he was failing. And as he was failing, he found himself in a situation where he did not have enough money to provide food for his family. They had already eaten the final amount of oatmeal, their last supply of food. All that was left was a remnant, a few little flakes of oatmeal. And he didn't know what to do. So he actually took those little flakes of oatmeal, as gross as this sounds, and he uh, sprinkled them on the floor with his children and his wife. And he said, let's thank God for what he does provide, as little as it is. And they prayed. And each one licked their fingers and took a little piece of oatmeal, stayed hungry, and they walked the streets of Joplin. I don't know the conclusion as far as what happened that day, except for they, I, what, they, what I do know, what I was told, is that they went around singing songs of thanksgiving to God as they walked the streets, seeing other people that could afford to eat. They were thankful for God's provisions as little as they were. When I heard that story, I thought, I have no right to complain if people can be thankful when they have nothing. I know other stories. I was writing a, my weekly column that should publish this week about someone that I know. I don't even know how they have hope. It's not, their mind is not in a good place. They don't have a home. It looks like they've thrown everything away that was in front of them. Incredible potential, all kinds of security, 
It's all gone. But I've learned they're going to get to celebrate Thanksgiving with their family. And for that, I'm thankful. So how can I keep it real this Thanksgiving? I've got some bullet points I want to give you. And I will, if you, you don't get to know this very often because I don't always tell you. But over the years, 35 years of pastoral ministry, I've preached a lot of messages approaching Thanksgiving. So every now and then I'll re recycle one, and this is one of them from 2015. How can I keep it real this Thanksgiving? Here's some bullet points. We'll go one at a time. JC, you can get ahead of me. Right off the bat, be thankful. Well, there you go. That's the obvious. It's just stating the elephant in the room on Thanksgiving Day. Be thankful. Whatever kind of plans you've got that day, whatever is going to happen, whatever is happening even this week, don't forget to be thankful. If you dare to try to challenge this idea of being thankful, in other words, if you want to go to a place and say, I don't have anything to be thankful for, you might be setting yourself up where God will teach you what it's like to not have what you do have. Because it's then that we really learn to appreciate. Maybe you've been through that, where suddenly something is taken away from you that you once had, and then you realize, I didn't appreciate like I should have. So may I encourage you, get ahead of it and be thankful. Second, we'll go down the line. Share thankfulness. If you're thankful, tell other people why. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, but I, I would encourage you to express to other people your thankfulness. Wherever you are, however you can do it, and it doesn't just have to happen in the week before Thanksgiving. It can happen any time because we should live that way. Here's some ways we can do that with notes, letters, social media. You can write people however you choose. And sometimes it feels good to get a paper copy. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you write a little note to somebody, telling them how much you appreciate them, very few people throw those notes in the trash. They save them because there's some days that they really need to be reminded. I have, uh, over the years, I've kept files where I would save the nasty notes, the notes where people don't like me very much, <laughs> to remind me, and that, that file is called, um, You're Not So Great. And then I like the other file, too, that says, you're not so bad. <laughs> and that's where the people write the ones that are thankful. But I would encourage you, don't just think good and positive and thankful thoughts about others. Let them know. Use notes, letters, social media, or phone calls, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, Teams, however you do it. If you want to actually have a, a conversation with somebody, be sure that you take care of that. You don't have to wait to Thanksgiving Day to do that, but that's special if you can. I would encourage you to do it on a regular basis. In person, here's a way we can do it in person. Two different ways. Individually, first of all, if you get a chance, even today, I know it might feel a little plastic because the preacher just said it. If you get a chance to tell someone here at, before you leave, 
while you're thankful for them. Take advantage of it. And the way it'll feel more genuine is if you actually can tell them why. Don't just say, I'm thankful for you. Tell them why. And if you're able to say that, they'll know it's real. And a group thing. I would like to highly recommend to you, and I've said this, this is my third time to recommend this to you. So I'm going to do it again, and it doesn't mean you have to, but if you get a chance on Thanksgiving Day, if you want to make your moment with your family special, go around the room, even if it, you're the only one, just tell everyone in front of everyone, I'm thankful for you. And here's the things I love about you. That's why I'm thankful. Do it to each one. You might even get everybody to join in and do it around the room. Everybody take a turn and do that. I highly recommend it. I've done it with my family many times in many ways. There's other ways we've done that as a group thing. There was one year we got a large family together. It would have taken too much time. We couldn't do that. It, logistically, it would have taken hours. People had to leave. So we provided little letters and envelopes and pencils and pens for people to be able to write little notes to whoever they want to say why they're thankful for them. And then we got them to the individuals after that. Okay, what I would like to do for a minute to make this moment here in this church building, as we're together with brothers and sisters in Christ, to make this a little bit more practical, a tangible exercise for all of us to take ourselves to a place where we can be thankful. Let's hit the pause button right now. And why don't we go to God in prayer on our own? I'll be quiet, and you can say some prayers to God about some things for which you are thankful and about some people for whom you are thankful. Let's have a moment of silence. Each one of us pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, forgive us when we fail to say these words of thanksgiving. Lord, help us to be more thankful than we are. And Lord, help us to demonstrate to others how to have a thankful spirit. And may you be glorified by it all. May there be no one around us who is ignorant of your love for them May that happen through us. May we express your love for others. And may we do it well, not just during the week of Thanksgiving, but even beyond. God, help us to take that step, that, uh, that initiative to reach out to others and let them know why we're thankful for them. Lord, we're thankful for you. And we're thankful for the opportunity to to pray together as a group, my voice for all of us here. We're thankful for the opportunity to pray as individuals here in the room as we just did moments ago. 
And God, if there's anyone who is here that was distracted in that time when we had all the opportunity to say some prayers of thanksgiving, if any of us here were not doing that, God, we know that you love those individuals with tenacity just like you love us. And if they need us to love them, please show us better ways to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.